0: This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 593, and the quote of the day is, Listening is an art that requires attention over talent, spirit over ego, and others over self listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and 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 beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 593. Thanks so much for being here, and if you celebrated Thanksgiving here in the U.S., hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and if you're outside of the U.S., You know, I hope you had a great week. (laughs) Let's get into this amazing conversation. This is with my man, George Slupik. I want to send a shout out quickly to Stephen Wolf for connecting us. I've wanted to get George on the podcast for a while. And he was born in Memphis and really focuses his playing on blues, funk, Soul and RB. I mean, he's played with all sorts of different people from Charlie Hunter to Mofro to the Grey Boy All Stars, uh, Albert King, lots of people in between, and is the epitome of groove pocket playing for the song playing for the music and has been doing it for quite some time so he has all of these amazing stories and all of these pieces of wisdom to pull from and he shares them in this pod i mean this is one of those conversations that could have gone on for literally for hours so i don't think this is going to be the last time that george is going to be on the podcast but we got him now so let's not waste any more time let's get into it with george slupik George, what's happening, my man?
1: My man, so good to talk to you.
0: Likewise, I gotta, I gotta send a uh, a quick shout out to my man Stephen Wolf for connecting us. And we're so Stephen Wolf and I are from Philadelphia, so we don't say Wolf, we say Wolf like dog. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how. If you're from Philadelphia, that's how you say it. I'm probably gonna
1: talk to him later on today, and I'm just gonna refer to him as Wolf.
0: Yeah, Wolf. W O O F. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, what a cool dude, man! Like, he is a super cool dude. We've have known about him forever, but uh, we've only recently become friends, and it is a pretty fast friendship. I'm connecting. I'm I'm in the process. Well, I've already done it, but like he's he's uh I'm connecting him with with uh, with Howard Grimes.
0: Amazing. Yeah,
1: Amazing. yeah, and uh, uh, he's uh, he's going to be talking to him on the phone here. Hopefully, hopefully today. Awesome. So I
0: I don't even know if I should reveal this, but he's like my, he's like my secret weapon. Like he just connects me with all these amazing people. And he's like, like it's, it's almost like he does all the legwork right and then he like and then he texts me and he's like hey do you know so and so and i'm like no (laughs) do you and he's like yeah do you want me to connect you with him i'm like absolutely and then he connects me it was so
1: great it happened the same way with me he's like man do you know nick and i was like i don't man but i listen to the podcast i don't know him he goes he goes yeah man i'm gonna reach out to nick man nick's my bro and then you texted me later on that day and i was like man that's really awesome he does it
0: and he does it he's done it you know a few times so I woof I appreciate you man I really woof. do. Woof 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 <laughs> we're barking <laughs> for you buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Still in uh, the house. So you know recently you and I were talking a little bit off air that I had I had your good buddy Terrence Clark on the podcast and you're both from Memphis and, and we talked a lot about about the history and the lineage of, of Memphis, not only just, not only drummers, but just Memphis music, Memphis musicians. Um, yes. And and you have a couple of years on him. So talk, tell me about when you were growing up, was, I know that because you live in Memphis, I would imagine that everyone thinks, well, you were just surrounded by music and and, you know, just became a musician. Was that the case for you? Or was it something that you had to seek out?
1: Man, it absolutely was one hundred percent the case. It was just one of those weird things. Um, <clears throat> the story is, I was eating, and we we were we were in our family car. We had this big blue station wagon, and uh, I don't know. It was maybe it was a Sunday or a weekend or something. But I remember we were all in the car together. So more, more than likely, it was the weekend. So it was my mom and dad up in the front seat, and my my me and my two sisters in the back seat i was 4 years old i was eating some animal crackers and then and then i had the an, i had the animal cracker box between my legs and was like you know tapping tapping on the box and my dad tells the story that he thought that something was wrong with the car i mean i have a very foggy memory of it but right. he's he he thought that something was wrong with the car because he heard this you know this little knocking sound turn the radio down revved up the engine you know my dad was uh, was a part-time mechanic so he's mm-hmm. like, revved up the engine he's like really listening to the car <laughs> turns the radio back on and like he can't find the thing so can't find the, the sound so he's driving back down the street you know and then he hears it again you know as soon as the music comes back <laughs> on he still can't figure it out he gets out of the car goes around in the front and opens up the hood and he's like looking at the engine my dad was hilarious Gets back in the car and he's like, you know, cussing, you know, God damn it, there's something wrong with this fucking car. <laughs> you know, Figure out what the sound is. Turns the music back on and he's driving down and he hears dun, 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 dun you know, this little, you know, star standing there or something. It was like a Beatles song or whatever. And and uh he turns the radio down, you know, and then the sound is going for a minute longer and he's like. What the hell? He like looks over his shoulder in the back seat, you know, and I'm just wailing away on an amplifier. <laughs> and a, my dad was a bass player, so like a freaking light bulb went off in his head immediately. He's like, my son is a drummer. He was right. just like, he just knew it. And the very next day, he found uh, uh, a little three piece Sears kit at a yard mm-hmm. sale for five bucks this is a gold gold sparkle kit yeah i have a i have a photograph the only photograph i have me me playing the kit i was like four or five years old you you Uh, remember thinking that you wanted to play drums I, i i i like to think that i remember it um But my, uh, but uh, you know, now I've told the story so many times, you know, now I I think I remember it, but apparently I walked up to my dad and, and I was like four or five years old and I said, I'm going to be a drummer. Mm -hmm. And, and there was never any question as far as my parents were concerned, there was never any question about it. It was like, our son is a drummer. And we're mm-hmm. going to support that. My mom had a giant record collection, um, everything from the Beatles to Dave Clark Five, Aretha Franklin, a lot of lot of soul music. I grew up listening to, you know, uh, high heeled sneakers by Tommy Tucker, you know, on mm-hmm. forty five. She would stack up forty fives. You know, they had those uh, our record player had this that that little um, rectangular stacker. Mm-hmm and you could get like 10 or 15 45s on the thing. And, and i still actually, when I think about it now, I'm still not really sure exactly how it works with the needle and everything. But if you got, uh, if you got a player, you know, where the needle can go up high enough, you know, it's just like plays, you know, to play tip it'll play out all the records in a row. Yeah. A very, very strange mechanism. But anyway, <laughs> she, she would, she would just play record after record. And, um, and then on weekends, when my dad got home from work, we would take the drum set into the into the garage, and uh, we'd have the record player in there and mom's forty fives, and then dad would sit with his guitar or his bass, and we we would play through songs. We would play through Beatles songs and and um, Stevie Wonder and and uh, a lot of a lot of rock and roll, but a lot of soul music too. Mm-hmm. We we're in the R- Rufus Thomas, you know. Um, so whatever, whatever my mom had on on record, um, that was that was what I learned to, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and dad would say, "Okay, this is the bridge, you know, or this is the chorus. We're going to lift it up here, you know, mm-hmm. bring it back for the verse." Um, and uh, so we did that for a couple of years, and then <clears throat> in my elementary school, we had a carnival every year and uh there were like little booths and parents would come out there and you know kids would sell lemonade and stuff it was more for the kids really but um you know you bring your family out to the to the elementary school carnival right um, my dad convinced the principal to let us perform Hmm. and it was just me and him it was guitar and drums and we just played through dad's songbook of of you know rock and roll and country and blues and people uh apparently i don't really remember but dad said i was 7 but dad said said one lady was really upset because she thought that we were she thought that we were miming and <laughs> she wanted to know where the record player was get out of here <laughs> i swear to god dad was like that lady thought that there was a record player back there and you're and like what and do you think was- this is the super bowl <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, people will look right at you when you're playing and, and think that you're momming. I don't know. It was really weird. That is a little weird. I
0: yeah. mean, I guess that's
1: a that's a uh, that's a compliment to you, though, right? It was it was a huge compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I knew what I wanted to do, and uh, I mean, off 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 through my life. I mean, of course, you know, there's times when, like, right now, you know, I think I told you earlier, um, I started a day job. Um, cause, uh, touring ended for me at the end of February and mm-hmm. you know, I was supposed to have a really big year with how with, uh, the singer from New York, Morgan James. Can, can and, we,
0: can, can we hit the pause button and talk about that for a second? Because of course, I, I think that it is one, it's very important for us to talk about. And mm. two, yes. I think, I think that, uh, you know, I think that people are hesitant to be like, oh, I went and got a day job because there's some sort of, there's some sort of thing that we wear as a badge of honor or, or some sort of reluctancy to talk about it or, or people are worried that they're not going to be viewed as a viral musician. If they go get a job, like, can we just dispel all of those rumors? Please? Oh man. If
1: you, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big lover of jazz music, man. And um, you know, there was, there was a lot of jazz musicians who were driving taxis in New York city, you know, to make ends meet. Right. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just how it's got has to be sometimes, and and yes, there is a huge amount of reluctant uh, reluctancy there. Um, I probably could have gotten this job five months ago, mm-hmm. you know, but five months ago I didn't think that I would still be in this situation. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like it felt like. It felt like, oh well, just around the corner. You know, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be getting out of this. But you know, as these numbers grow, you know, with the virus and everything, and and the lockdowns are happening again. Um, it, was, it was just necessary. I have an incredibly generous landlord, mm-hmm. um, and her her son is a musician as well. In fact, the house I'm living in used to be his house. So. Um when uh when I lost my gigs, you know, when I lost touring gigs, I just called her on the phone. I said, "Miss Ann, listen, um" <laughs> She said, "I already know." Right? <laughs> right, right. "I already know and I'm not kicking you out, don't worry. Just give me what you can." And and uh man, I was I was really I was really grateful. And I'm not going to lie, man. I reached out to music cares and um you know, I received a couple of grants. It's a really amazing uh, grant here from a, um, a, a local organization called um, um, it's it's called um, music export Memphis mm. and I think it's I think it's music export Memphis, uh, org. and uh, they they have they they're in their third they're coming up on their third round of grants for, wow for local local musicians, yeah, they raised up upwards of two hundred thousand dollars. Amazing! You know, every six months, and then and uh, they dole dole it out to almost 200, 200 local musicians. That's awesome! Yeah, it's awesome. really 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 cool.
0: I mean, oh, the overarching theme is always if if you have a day gig, then. <sighs> you it's impossible to like donate or dedicate enough time to playing professionally. And if you play professionally, then you can't go and like, and can't get a day gig because people are going to think less of you. Which I think
1: both are are bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit (laughs) and it's bullshit. And if you're worried about what people think of you, then uh, uh, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to be, you know, Because we're we're all we're all doing what we can to to make ends meet, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. So don't let anybody think any less of you. Uh, I started teaching a few years ago, and I do I do Facetime lessons, and from from home. And um, I never really wanted to be a teacher,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but I had so many people in encouraging me and then, and then people hitting me up on Instagram, you know, Hey man, do you, do you teach? I'd really love to learn how to, you know, play a shuffle correctly, right? you know? And, uh, I, I was, I was hesitant at first. Um, cause I, I'll be honest, I was a terrible student. <laughs> 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 I'd be really great during the lesson with my teachers, you know, but then coming home to open up that book, you know, syncopation or, or, or uh, the George Stone book or, or whatever, you know, I would, I would just, you know, I'd work on a couple of pages and then I would just want to rock. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was a pretty bad student. And for some reason I just, I had that in my head that if if you're not a good student, you're not going to be a good teacher, but I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that. that.
0: I mean, I would agree with that, but I, yeah, I, I think that's one is not the same as the other.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm not, I don't teach out of, out of a book mm-hmm. and I'm not teaching people how to read. Um, but I can show you, I, I can teach you how to do what, what it is I do, what I know how to do. Right. Right. I think it's, I, I've brought this up before on,
0: on a lot of conversations and I don't know why, but recently it's really started to, to stick out in my mind where if I look at the people who, Inter, as far as I'm concerned, who have great feel, great time, uh, you know, great dynamic choices, great sonic choices, um, really play musically, play for the, you know, play for the song and things like that. Grew up listening to records and playing along with records and playing yes. and playing songs and working through song structure.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and, I mean, and then you mentioned people, that out there. I mean, Questlove, for example, right. No, you read, you read, you read his story and and read interviews with him. I mean, that's exactly, we pretty much grew up the same way, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, learning, learning how to play on on records. And you know what, man? Um, I'm, I've hung out with Jim Keltner a couple of times in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles and that guy, man, gave me one of the greatest drum lessons ever. And we never even touched a drumstick. Um, I was recording with uh, Chris Robinson in the Mm -hmm. Chris Robinson Brotherhood at Sunset Sound in Los Angeles back in in 2012, and Keltner was across the hall um, mixing a, uh, believe it or not, a Jerry Lee Lewis record that he had recorded in Memphis, strangely enough, and um, saw I, you know, I, I saw him and I went up to him and, you know, and introduced myself and, and, uh, immediately he's, he's like, Oh, you're from Memphis. Is, is a Cozy corner barbecue still there? I was my favorite, you know, when I was working in Memphis, I was like, Oh yeah, it's still there. It's a, you got a killer brisket sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, we talked for about 45 minutes and then I knew that he lived near, near, uh, near the neighborhood where I was living in LA. So, um, I just, I just said, hey man, um, I'm over in Atwater Village. I know you're over there in Los Feliz. Is there a chance we could get together and, you know, can I pay you for a drum lesson? And without missing a beat, he put his arm around me and he said, well, listen, George, there's not really anything that I can teach you that isn't on all those great records. He said, take a record like Dusty in Memphis, for example. He's talking about Dusty Springfield, right? right? He said, man, when that record came out and it was so popular, I used to listen to that record over and over and over and think to myself, what the hell's going on here? And I practiced along to it. And I said, man, the drummer's not doing anything. And then that's when it hit me. He's not doing anything at all. He's supporting the song. And that's exactly what you need to do. So there's nothing really that I can teach you that isn't already there for you to learn on your own. And it was huh. so validating because that's exactly how I grew up. Right. And I didn't really know that that was something special. Mm -hmm. But now people talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, you got, you know, really awesome, amazing drummers like Dave Weckl, for example, that like, you know, a few years back, he was like, man, I'd had to go back and reinvent myself, you know, and figure out how to subtract.
0: Man, I saw Dave Weckl play like 15 years ago, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. I just didn't get it, right? It just wasn't, I just didn't get it. It was amazing, mm-hmm. you know, he was playing like upside down and backwards, and I just didn't get sure. it. And then I saw him play about four years ago. He was playing mm-hmm. uh he did this thing at, at PASIC and mm-hmm. sounded amazing. Like sounded yeah. musical. Sound like it, I mean, it sounded like this it sounded like an orchestra playing, and it was just him who did this solo at PASIC.
1: And like I, a different person.
0: Totally different person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Terrence and I talk about it all the time because you know, don't let Terrence Clark fool you, man. That dude has incredible skills on the drums, like mind blowing.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, but he's he realized that's he that's not who he wants to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I never, I always knew that I was never going to be that type of drummer.
0: Right, right. So let me uh, ask you this, what if you are that type of drummer but you know that it's not serving you, right? Like if cuz I think what happens a lot like we all know that that you know playing groove and playing pocket and all that like everyone's like man, it feels so good and when they watch somebody else do it and then we go and sit behind the kit and are like I'm going to work on my you know my inverted paradiddles with my feet. You know, and man, like-
1: I've got I've actually got stu- uh, uh, you know I ha- had had a student like that not too long ago. Who we he, he came to me and said, Man, you know, I just want to get more pocket into my plane. And I was like, Great. And then, as I'm getting into the lesson with him and in and talking about pocket, and like in, in the in, the importance of the quarter note and, and how you, in ways that you can make your quarter note sound huge, and and um, he just went off on this thing about he just immediately went off on this thing about. His favorite drummer, Carter Beauford, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who who is an amazing drummer, but he wanted he wanted to play like that, and he's like practicing like you know like how to play like Carter, and he, <laughs> I was like, I might not be the guy that you want to study with, <laughs> right? You no, know? because
0: you know, it's like, interesting. Like you put if you put Carter in any other band. Like I don't know if it Carter's like one of my favorite, if not my favorite drummer, right? Just because I learned from I learned how to play drums by listening to Carter Beaufort. you know. Sure,
1: yeah. man, he's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, he's but, absolutely phenomenal. But I
0: wouldn't want to hear him play in with Al, Al Green. White band. No, I wouldn't no, want to play hear him play with Al, with Al Green.
1: He could do the average white band gig. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the yeah. Al Green gig. I you know maybe not maybe not the Al Green gig. I don't know. Much love to Carter though. Yeah. I love Carter. Carter Beaufort is fantastic. I do love Carter. But you know, uh, but, but, uh, um, but, but that's the thing, you know, if, if you, if you want, if you want to learn pocket playing, then you gotta, you gotta go to the source, you know, and the, you know, and the source for me, actually one of the sources, um, is still living and he's still here in Memphis. And it's that's Howard Grimes and mm-hmm. he's 78 years old. And, um, He's on the new Don Bryant record, actually, that that um, just uh, got nominated for um, uh, best traditional blues record, and his drumming on it is absolutely flawless. It's unbelievable yeah. Yeah. how how much how much groove is in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, what, and what if you? listen so are the, the elements of it? Elements of, of like the elements the of element. groove. Well, f- uh, for somebody like Howard, it's just how relaxed he makes it sound, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you see him play, it it it's it, it looks that way as, uh, at the same time, you know. So like it has it has a relaxed sound to it, but also it also he looks relaxed, you know. And and uh, it's this thing I I like to refer to as economy of emotion. You know, he's mm-hmm. not he's not stretching his arms out very far, you know, so he doesn't have very far to 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 reach to get to the symbol or the drum. Right, right. Um, he's a he's a very big man. You know, he's big around. He looks like he could have been a, a football player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think you know when 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 he hits the snare drum, you know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to you know, he doesn't have to swing very far to get a big fat sound out of it, you know? And I, th- I think I would probably have to, you know, swing a lot harder to get the same kind of sound. Cause I'm a lot smaller, smaller than he is. Right, right. Um, but, uh, just, just, just where he puts the notes, like his choices of notes. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, in a, what about what in a, a, a broader harder. sense
0: of, of pocket and feel in general? Um, if someone was like, you know, what are, what are some of like, what are the four elements do you think or five elements or, or I'm trying to think of, of if someone's listening and really wants to get better at this, where do they, where do they focus? Cause it's not about speed. It's not about, it's not about, you know, how quickly you can play something or or how intricate the thing is.
1: Honestly, this thing that I've, that I've, that I've been doing, with my students is having them focus on the half note rather than the quarter note. So, you know, let's just say you're playing love and happiness, for example. And if, if you're thinking of bop, 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 while you're playing, bop, 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 If you're thinking of that quarter note bouncing, and you try to stick with that, you know, it's going to have a certain feel, right? If you think more of the half note, and then you lay that back, all of a sudden that quarter note has a more back feel to it. Does that make Mm -hmm.
0: sense? Yeah, totally.
1: Yep, And if you can, like when you're practicing, if you can, if you can visualize like a a pendulum swinging back and forth, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can get more, more of a, more of a halftime thing happening in your body while you're playing a quarter note or an eighth note, then I think that your pocket starts to, starts to get bigger. Right. So the half, for me a, a huge element of that is is thinking of is thinking about the half note, mm-hmm. visualizing the half note, and not trying to visualize the quarter note necessarily. Right. <clears throat> um, people may call bullshit on that, but I tell you what, I was on a gig once with this guy Robin Hinkle out in California, and he stressed the half note to me uh, in his in his teachings and it really helped me to ease the stress, you know, some, it's, it, it's, it's stressful sometimes when, 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 when you're drumming and you don't, you don't want to feel stress, you know, and some, it's depending on the artist that I'm, that I'm playing with. Some people are like always on the drummer's case, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so we we feel we we can feel stress a lot of times, you know. So we're always the scapegoat. <laughs> um, we're all, yeah, we're always the scapegoat. For me, I think everybody in the band needs to have a really good time. And what Thelonious Monk said: everybody everybody's job in the band is to make the drummer sound as good as possible, <laughs> <laughs> nice. right? So I'm a big. I've never heard that, that. before. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, there's there's a there's there's a there's a there's a really good uh, uh, handwritten notes uh, from Monk's notes and that was one of them. He's like everybody's everybody's else's job in the band is to make the drummer sound great.
0: <laughs> good on you, Thelonious. Friend, I agree.
1: Yeah, good on you, man. Uh, but I uh, Rob, my friend Robin Hinkle, stressed stressed the half note and that mm-hmm. that really helped me relax because then I wasn't trying to think about like landing everything, you know, perfectly mm-hmm. in time, you know. Um, I was I just uh, immediately li- like able to lay everything back as soon as he said that, and I've seen it in the body language of some of my students too, and I tell them to start thinking about the half note more than they're thinking about the quarter note, right you know right uh, if they're listening to their metronome, if they're listening to a click track mm-hmm. um, then you know you can you can you can start to lay things back yeah uh, so that's definitely one element I mean I think I think sound is 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 another one. Um, like Howard has 16 inch crashes for his hi hats, you know, and he's, and he's, and he's kind of hitting with the shoulder of the stick, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um,
0: that's after I had that conversation with Steve Jordan, we talked about big symbols. I was like, done. I was like, I need some 15s or 16s definitely yeah i've been
1: using 15 for years but i had some i had some 17 crashes that i used on a few sessions and that was fun but i didn't i didn't really enjoy it i enjoy it as much um and then i i had some 16 uh istanbul agap Mm -hmm. recently and uh and those were those were nice too but then i that was still just a little bit too big for my personal sound, you know, and I found yeah. that the 15s, 15s really are the are sweet spot for me. Great news from Evans
0: Drumheads. Now you can turn your drumheads into a work of art with their custom drumheads. All you have to do is upload your design and they print it using it high quality photo resolution images directly onto the drum head and they're available in sizes everywhere from 16 to 26 and let me tell you these things look amazing they sent me a bass drum head with the drummer's resource logo on it i was blown away it looks so cool and the best part is you can save 20% by using the promo code drummer 20, drummer, and then the numbers two zero. So if you go to evansdrumheads.com, use the promo code DRUMMER20, you can not only save 20%, but you can also get yourself some amazing looking heads. The offer only runs until December 31st. So make sure you do it today. Go to evansdrumheads.com, use the promo code DRUMMER20. I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ1 kits, and they are sick. You know who else thinks they're sick? Chris Coleman. I'll let him take it
1: from here. When I hear something inside of me, I have to get it out. I have to get the sound that's within me out. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I go for it. And I may create something fresh and new for me. Something I may change about it, something I may not. I'm just going with the flow. sonar has done it sq1 my sonar drummers check them out you'll dig them
0: you were talking about going to the source and yeah let's let's talk a little bit about who drummers who you think are are the quote-unquote source to check out and also records
1: well, as I mentioned, Howard Grimes for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howard 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 Bulldog Grimes uh, was a member of the of the high rhythm section, and uh, and recorded at Royal. He recorded at Stacks. Uh, he's on some early Carla Thomas records and Rufus Thomas. Um, one of my favorite records he's on is a uh, is a uh, "You Don't Miss Your Water Till Your Well Runs Dry" by William Bell. Right. And he's playing uh, he's playing a twenty two inch uh, rivet ride. On this R and B, uh, and this, this six eight or this twelve eight, that's it's uh, it just sounds phenomenal. Um, Al Green is love. That's Howard Grimes. That's a high rhythm session. And Peebles, I can't stand the rain. Mm-hmm. That's Howard. Um, Ov Wright, Nickel and a Nail. Um. But what, and, what's uh, Nickel and a Nail? Nickel and a Nail. It was a it was a big Ov Wright hit.
0: And I don't even know that. O-V-
1: I don't even w- know that. W W R I G H T. Oh yeah, man you got to you got to dig on some O V Right. I got it
0: right here. I just pulled it up. A nickel and a nail by O V Wright. Yeah. I yeah.
1: Never, a I, I,
0: this, all right. Here's I'm I'm just gonna say it. I've never I don't even I never even heard of O V Wright.
1: Okay. All right. You're you're you're. That's fine, man. Is that okay. He's not a he's not a household name. It's hard to know everyone, not, but like I, he's not a household name. <laughs>
0: sometimes people bring stuff up, and I'm like, in I never heard of him. He's people,
1: not a What's that? <laughs> I said in your house, he's not a household name. <laughs> he's not.
0: But I'm usually good with a lot of these. But I'm like Ov Wright. I'm like never, never even heard of him. So this is.
1: There's a great com- a compilation uh, called the called the Soul of Ov Wright. Nice. And it has a tune called uh, Motherless Child. Uh, there's one called Ace of Spades. The uh the essential Ov right uh, is called the bottom line, but Howard made a Howard made Howard is on a bunch of those records. Okay. <clears throat> and um, man, I tell you what, Otis Clay live in Japan mm-hmm. is the high rhythm section. I want to say it was like 1981 or 82. If you're into Howard Grimes and you, and you listen to like Love and Happiness, for example, right, right. you know, oh man, his feel on that is, 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 is so amazing. Then turn around and go and listen to like 10 or 15 years later when he's with Ov Wright or with Otis yeah, Clay. October,
0: October 1983,
1: that record came out live in Japan. There you go. 1983, 1983 he sounds like a different. Really? Name. He sounds more like Al Jackson. Huh? The tunes are fat they're like oh yeah howard grimes he's like kind of this pocket guy you know kind of laid back or whatever i'm like listen listen to otis clay live in japan and tell me if if you think that's the same guy it's unbelievable really unbelievable oh my god it's so good there's some video footage actually from uh from a nightclub in japan where they i i, I, I spoke to howard about this recently like they had the night off or something mm-hmm. And, and they walk into this club and, the, and there's a bunch of Japanese dudes on stage playing soul music and they see the high rhythm section and Otis Clay come walk, come walking in the door and like the guys in the band start start freaking out. And one by one, they start inviting them up on stage. And Howard is the last one to get on stage. Uh, but – he comes walking up to the stage, and he starts coming back behind the drums. And the 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 look on the on the drummer's face is so beautiful, man. This kid, he's like, he looks like a teenager, but he's just got this gleaming <laughs> smile, and he's just like, "Holy <laughs> shit, Howard!" Grant, oh my god, and he's just like, stands up and hands Howard the sticks, and of course, like the groove just goes boom, yeah. you know? Oh man, it's
0: on YouTube.
1: It's on YouTube. Yeah, I would look up. I, I got to see this. Look up Otis Clay, Japan.
2: Okay. I will. No.
1: It's a pretty long video. I want to say it's like 10 minutes or maybe maybe a little bit longer. All right. I'll find it's it. It's super grainy footage. It's like really, really grainy. Yeah.
0: The the thing that's always um, interesting when I talk to guys like you is that not only are you a drummer and a musician, but but – you know, you're a musicologist. You're you're like a, you know, uh, almost like a a researcher and a, and someone who's who's going down the rabbit hole and finding all this stuff. Where do you think people should start? There, just get on YouTube and just go, just go down the hole.
1: Man, I like to tell people that like the drum set as we know it, Nick, is really about a hundred years old. You mm-hmm. know, and so I'm into. I'm really into Howard Grimes. And I love his drumming, and and we're friends. And I talked to him on the phone. Um, James Gadsden is a really good friend of mine. I lived in Los Angeles, and I got to study with James Gadsden a bunch of times, and then we just became friends. We call each other mm-hmm. on the phone. We'll talk. We'll talk for two hours. And one of the things I always want to get him talking about, and and Howard as well, is is what they listened yeah. to when they were growing up. And both of those guys will tell you that they were listening to jazz. Mm-hmm. Howard was really into Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich. Mm-hmm. Right? Gatson was you know Gatson, like listened to Big Sid Catlett, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so I mean Big Sid was 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 recording in in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Right? The uh, the 40s, 30s and 40s and so the drum kit hadn't even really been around that yeah. long. So like that uh, you don't have to go back too far to get to the very beginnings of drumming mm-hmm. you know like like go back and listen to uh, uh the hot fives and hot sevens you know listen to uh listen to kid ori's band listen to king oliver's band with, with 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 uh with with louis armstrong and check out baby dodds you know and baby dodds was like you know the guy that's you know credited as being one of the first people to put you know what they were considering the contraption Back then, like taking all the marching band yeah. elements, the snare drum, bass drum, that cymbal, and putting them all into one thing, you know, so you don't really have to go back that far to get to the very beginnings of mm-hmm. drumming, you know, so I just, I and I, I tell my students all the time, I'm like, man, if you're really into this guy, find out who he was into or who she right. was into, right? you know, and like nine times out of 10, you know, there's going to be like, you know, you're only going to have to go back a few years you know, before you're, <laughs> you know, go back go back a, f- a few generations before you're at, at the very beginning of of uh, yeah of of music. Yeah, it's you know? not like and, uh, so. It's, not
0: like, it's, it's uh, not like we're not talking about going back to like ancient Rome.
1: You know. Yeah, man, we're not like this. Isn't Greek mythology <laughs> here? You know, like we're not. We're not going back. That I don't. Far. There's a movie. I don't know why it just made me think of
0: this, and I'm sorry to cut you off for something as stupid as this. That's but okay. uh, there's a there's a movie called uh, uh, it's not ski school shit. What the hell? Oh, it's called Aspen Extreme. Right? You have probably never even seen this movie, but I'm a big skier, so I watched it. And this okay. they were teaching. Uh, they were like taking it very seriously. And the guy looked at the guy and was like, "Look, man." He was like, "We're just teaching people to go down a hill on sticks." Right, he's like that. that, That's the (laughs) essence of it. And for some reason, when you said that, I was just thinking like this isn't that hard to figure out, right? Like we're we're just trying to figure out what people did with some sticks in their hands. So like we we have the we have the tools at our at our disposal to dig it up on YouTube, listen to the music, and and figure it out ourselves. Not diminishing the the power of music, but like the 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 hurdles and the obstacles of finding the information are no longer there. Exactly. That was a really poor uh, uh, analogy. No, man. You,
1: no, no. And you, and you really nailed it. But you also made me think of something um, just then. I was I was living in New York for a little mm-hmm. while, and there used to be a jam session uh, run by a guy who was originally from Memphis but lived in New York named Salino Clark. Um, his son, Sal, Sal Crocker, is a, is, a, is a local saxophone player. Um, Salino's... Jam session in Harlem was a was a was a, was a local favorite. I think it was on Mon- maybe Monday nights, and it's it's gone now. Salino passed away, and I think the jam session might be over. Um, but it could just be anyone could be hanging out in there. It was usually like some young kids who moved to New York and were just studying jazz or. Or whatever but it was all kinds of people in there right. man i saw lonnie smith in there right. one night and didn't even see him play he was just hanging out in the bar without his turban on really by the way and just like, yeah 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 and his hair is is longer than you would imagine huh. it's like crystal gale length <laughs> i mean it's like down to it but i, I it's, it's
0: always funny because the people that you end up seeing wearing like a hat all the time or a turban all the time or whatever you find out that like they're bald you know because they and they don't want to because they don't want you to know that they, you know, that they yeah. are.
1: Oh man, that used to happen to me all the time. I have really long hair, but 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 uh, you know, I wear my hair in a bun. I've got a hat on. And they're like, What do you, what do you got under there, man? You losing your <laughs> yeah. hair? And I you know, I take my hat off and I'm like, I'm not full head actually. Like, I'm
0: good. You know? Maybe I should start wearing I hats. Like, I'm, I'm
1: losing, I, got a little. I just like hats. Oh no, I'm losing you're, a little you're there. so I'm at Seleno I'm at I'm at Selino's jam session one night and you know, people like to show off you know, especially if they go to jam sessions, you know, and there's always going to be somebody in there that's just like itching to play because they want to show you the latest, you know, lick that yeah. they've learned or, or whatever. They want to show everyone, you know, how badass mm-hmm. they are. And, you know, it was just like one cat after the next, you know, showing off their guitar skills or their drumming skills or whatever. And at some point, salito was like, you know, pointed to this one guy and. He he was an older black guy, and he came in. He sat down, and he had the most incredible energy. He sat down at the kit, and he was holding the sticks like a caveman would hold a club that he's about to use to to hit you know uh, uh, a <laughs> a dinosaur or, or a, right. you know a wild animal over the head, or maybe a woman you know, and you <laughs> like hit him over the head and drive him back, drive him back to his kit. He's like he's had this caveman grip. And, and, and awful technique, like, like really like, like unschooled technique for sure. Mm-hmm. But the pocket was instant and the vibe in the place changed and everybody started Man. dancing because this guy was just like, Boo, doo, ba, cha, boom, boom, da, cha, ba, boom, boom, ba. boom, 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 and it was like playing a fat back drum beat to like a, a, a jazz tune that they were playing <laughs> he wasn't a jazz drummer at all this was kind of known jazz jam session but um he just was playing like a fat back drum beat to like this 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 jazz tune and and it worked and it got everybody in the place dancing so look man you don't you don't have to go to school you don't have to have you know the latest gear from wherever you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on your drum kit they had they had a Uh, not a very good Mm -hmm. drum set to at, at this place. That was another thing I noticed. It was like the drums were about to fall apart and he made them sound, you know, like they were a $10,000 Craviato kit or something, you know? I mean, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It's not the gear. It's what you you do with it. right? It's not the gear, man. It's, it's absolutely 100% what you do with it. Um, I always have this conversation with people. I, I I got to, I got to play with him once, but I I saw BB King a couple of times, and every time he was playing through like just very middle of the road PV mm-hmm. amps. Mm-hmm. And it, it Aaron Sterling plays perfect.
0: with like a, a kit a four hundred dollar kit from JCPenney on tour
1: with John Mayer. So, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean maybe he ha- he has one with him, right? But he's been touring with that Sugar. Sugar percussion kit. Right?
0: Uh, all I know is when he first when he first started playing, there was someone. It wasn't his kit, and I forget whose kit it was. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And somehow Aaron ended up with this kit, and it sounded amazing. <laughs> and they were like, "Whatever, we'll yeah. just use this." And like somebody got it from JCPenney's like 30 years ago for like 300 bucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, I believe it. I I mean, I had some not very good drums when I was when I was first starting mm. out you know, and, and, um, you know, it's all in, in what you do with them, how you tune them, you know, but you can get your sound out of pretty much anything if you know what you're doing.
0: It's one thing to talk about how great Dream Symbols are, but it's another thing to actually hear them for yourselves. And the good thing about Dream is not only do they sound great, but they're also priced well below the competitor's prices, so that way you can actually afford to buy these Symbols. And if you don't think you can get a great sounding Symbol at a low price, check out DreamSymbols.com. But first, I want you to take a listen to what these things sound like. (music) To learn more about Dream Symbols, be sure to check them out at DreamSymbols.com. There's this tricky thing that I think that we as creators in general do is that I I know I've done this myself where like, if I'm getting ready to like, you know, get into a new workout routine, I got to sit down and like, get all my stuff together before, you know, before I get started. Or if I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to start filming more videos. I got to get the gear, all this stuff. It's like, just start with what you have. And, and, you know, if you're not going to do it with your, with your shitty camera, you're not going to do it with a $5,000 camera. You know,
1: man. Look, I mean, they're more expensive now than than uh, than they used to be when they first came out. But the acrylite snare drum, you know, I know Wolf talks about <laughs> uh, talks about talks about the acrylite a lot. We 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 were having a nice conversation about the acrylite. Howard Grimes still has the uh, the uh, the snare drum that he played on Love and Happiness, and. I, I, when I first met him, we played a show together and I let him use my drum set. I had a little four piece 60s Rogers kit. And um, we met, we shook hands or whatever. And I noticed in his right hand, while he was talking to me, he was holding a snare case. And it was one of those very familiar brown Ludwig 70s uh, uh, clamshell snare case is one of those big giant bulky Mm -hmm. cases and he's holding his right hand and he had a coat on because it was winter time and he's talking to me and i finally i looked down and i said i said what do you got and you what do you got there (laughs) you got your snare drum and he looked at me and then he looked down at the drum and he said that's the love and happiness snare (laughs) (laughs) and never leave home without it (laughs) yeah and i said really and and uh and he said, You want to see it? <laughs> Hell yeah, I want to see it. And I said, Hell yeah. And he just sat the case down in front of me and then moved away from it. And he said, Well, go ahead. And I was like, Well, you want me to
0: open <laughs> like it? Like you're like he's, opening the briefcase on Paul Fiction. Exactly,
1: man. It's exactly what it felt like. like.
0: He like steps back. He you steps know I mean?
1: back from it like a bomb's going to go off or something. And I was like, I was like, Okay. And I, uh, you know, I undid the latches. And, you know, and when you, when you set it, on the ground, you know, on it, on it, on it, you know, when you set it on the ground on its, on its, uh, on the end, you know, it just, and then you open those, um, those latches, it just pops open. Right. right. You know, not all the way, but it just kind of pops open. And so I, sit, and I open the latch and it pops open and I see a, a blue and olive badge, the acrylite. And I was like, I was like, Oh, it looks like an acrylite. And he's like, that's right. Go ahead. And like. so I pull it out. (laughs) And um, do you remember – these are really old. I don't even know if they use them anymore. But they used to put labels on like uh, uh, food and stuff in the grocery store with these plastic labels. It was like plastic on one side and then adhesive – On the other, and they used to have come in like these little plastic guns that had a big giant dial on it with numbers and letters. Oh, yeah. And then you could like dial in whatever, you know, the price was. And then you squeeze the trigger and it like impresses you know, whatever, you know, whatever you've written or whatever yeah. you dial in or whatever. Yeah. So like I look on the side and there's, there's, there's a white plastic label on there that had that said Howard Grimes and these raised nice. letters. Yeah, was it was like, like wow. they, they were like, he the,
0: had the plastic thing and you dial it up and then you, oh. and then you, and, and, he and he you push it, you push, push it, it and it squeeze it. Yeah. And it, and it comes out, it's like a plastic piece and you appeal the adhesive off the back. Right.
1: That's exactly yeah. right, and that's what was on the thing. We had those had in my
0: parents' restaurant lot. everywhere. Those stickers wow. were everywhere. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, man. I remember we had one those kids. You know, my mom would use them to um um to put uh, you know stickers on on um they yard sales. Yeah. You know, we'd have yard sales. They were we, great. You know, like great. every year. You know, when we well, they call them carport sales. Yeah. You know, we're gonna have a carport sale next weekend. <laughs> you know, so y'all get all your toys and stuff. Nice. <laughs> we go and my my grandmother had a had a carport. We would line everything up on the on the side, and mom would you know take out her label gun and they'd put prices on. When everything. I lived in
0: Hoboken, they called them something else. Uh, what the heck were they called? It wasn't a junk sale. What's that? A junk sale or no? It was something. Some people call them. Junk I think it was a gate sale. It was a gate. Sale. A gate. Oh, because it's behind, sale. like, you know how you have, like, right you know, like those brownstones and there's a gate in the front. Mm-hmm. It was behind the gate. Yeah. So it's a gate sale. And I was like, what the hell is
1: a gate <laughs> sale? And I was like, oh, you mean a garage sale? And they're like, we don't have garages here. <laughs> I guess you don't. But did you? So you grew up in
0: Hoboken? Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia.
1: Yeah. Right. right we talked.
0: Yeah. Me and Wolf. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wolf. So, uh, uh, but you lived in Hoboken? I did for seven years. Yeah. Wow, did you ever play Maxwell's? Uh yeah, I did. Yep. You know Dave Post? Uh he was one of the owners. No, but you long. know what?
0: I do this is funny. I think I was like, I think I was MySpace friends with him.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I think I was. I think I was. Yeah, uh he yeah. I think he connected or someone connected me with him. He's a bass player, right? Is that right? He
1: is. He plays upright bass. Yeah. Uh, he's got he leads a band in New York called Swingadelic. Yep. Yeah, 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 I yeah. know,
0: I know, I think Dave and I have talked a few times, uh, never met in person though. So he, mm-hmm. he was friends with, you know, I think we had some mutual friends, uh, Jimmy Coleman. I don't know if you know Jimmy, um, Mm-mm. out of Philly, but, um, but yeah, he connected me with him and, and I don't even know if we were supposed to do something together or, or what, but Maxwell's is closed though. Now it's a seafood restaurant, unfortunately.
1: Uh, it's such a bummer. Yeah. So, man, you know, I almost moved to Philly. Did you? Yeah, I was dating a Philly girl for for quite a few. They're years, trouble. You gotta uh, be careful. A long time ago, yeah, she was a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, we we would we would uh, we would go uh, on little vacations together to go visit her family up there, and we always ate at this restaurant uh, in downtown Philly called Rangoon. Rangoon. Yeah, Rangoon. R a n g o o n. It's a uh, it's Burmese food. Oh, sounds delicious. Oh my god, man! It sounds delicious. Oh my god, I would love it if they would just transplant themselves right here in <laughs> downtown Memphis. I'd be there every day. Nice. nice. Well, you—I mean, you've
0: moved around a lot, though, right? I About mean, you lived—you were—you moved—you lived in San Diego, you lived in LA, Memphis,
1: obviously, you lived in New York. Mm-hmm um yep new orleans i lived in austin texas was
0: it depending oh, on was it depending on the project and and you
1: would move to that particular area it or just was, yeah, all music related pretty much you yeah. know I, I first left here i first left memphis in 91 and i moved out to san diego uh, originally i was going to move to los angeles because i had gotten accepted at percussion institute and i thought i was going to go to school there um but um my best friend in high school, uh, after high school, had uh, moved out moved out west, and he lived in San Diego. He lived in L.A. for a long time too, but he lived in San Diego. And, and uh, but San Diego
0: is an odd choice because there's not a, it's not a huge music scene, right?
1: Well, actually, there is a really big music community in San Diego, and um, the reason I moved there is is it was. Well, for several reasons, it was, it was, it was much less expensive and it was easier to, you know, for a Southerner to get acclimated to the California lifestyle, living in a place that, you know, wasn't as expensive. And oddly enough, San Diego County and Shelby County, which is the county I live in, in Memphis are the two biggest counties in in the United States, landmass wise, (laughs) square, square mileage. Right. Shelby County and San Diego County are, are, are huge. And, um, anyway, I, I, I decided to move to San Diego first and then I made my way up to LA and, 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 uh, went and checked out Musicians Institute, uh, and ended up not going to school there. Um, but I got a, I got a blues gig in San Diego with this, uh, in 91 with this singer named Earl Thomas mm-hmm. and, had a great band called the blues ambassadors, but he was a, he, he's a great singer, but he, uh, at the time I've heard he's chilled out now, but at the time he had a bit of a volatile, um, personality, especially on stage. And he was, he would explode at you if he didn't think that you were playing the beat correctly nice. or slow enough or fast enough or whatever. That was like when I played with Johnny and, D.
0: Francesco. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> He's a great he's so, a he's a great friend of mine, but he would always like he would always be yelling at me on stage.
1: Johnny D? Johnny
0: D. Joey's brother. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. See, I don't like people yelling at me on stage, yeah. man. I mean, he
0: was like, like, we were we're friends, sad, though, but he, he would always like he'd always like yell something back at me or be like, are you gonna like I'd be on the hi-hat for a while and he'd be like, Are you
1: gonna make a fucking move or what? You know, like, <laughs> like that, <so. laughs> Uh, so yeah. Uh, I cut you off and totally
0: made you lose your train of thought. No, no,
1: I I I will lose my train of thought real easily. I also can get lost in my own house sometimes. (laughs) I'm I'm that way. But uh, man, uh, you were talking about the blues gig. Earl had a lot of yeah. Earl had 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 a lot of people come come in and out of his band yeah you know and a lot of that was due to you know like his crazy his crazy personality yelling at people and stuff but uh i ended up in the four or five months that i played in his band um in in 1991 i i met it seemed like half of the music community in san diego and uh it just opened up a a, a, a ton of doors for me and uh, really i really enjoyed my time living out there in fact i'm wearing a casbah hoodie right now ca- the casbah is a really cool rock club there
0: <clears throat> what do you think now in terms of how the world is sort of you know shrunk due to due to the internet and and what's possible digitally uh covet COVID aside like do you feel like you have to be in la or memphis or nashville yeah or-
1: no and 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 i believe a lot of that was um i believe a lot of that at the, at the time was was necessary for me i mean i felt like i felt a little stifled here uh in the late 80s early 90s like i was i was in bands that were touring around the southeast college college circuit you know and it just didn't feel like there was much else you could do and then i got into a band and we got signed but that uh, was back back in the '80s when there was like development deals mm-hmm. happening, you know, and it just seemed like development deal meant, you know, for the next two years we're going to write songs with with you and record them and and pitch them to different people and try to you know get something on the radio, and you know I was 23 years old I just lost my patience with all of that, and you know i have had friends living out in California you know who were you know encouraging me to move out west so you know i moved to uh i moved to san diego and strangely enough my first week in san diego i was in the recording studio and i i started i started recording and um um people were hiring me from and i didn't actually know it for the first couple of years that i was there but i was actually getting hired for my sound Mm. You know, and for the fact that, you know, we could, we could bring this back around to what we were talking about earlier, as far yep. as, you know, there were a lot of people around Southern California at the time who were coming out of gu- Guitar Institute, you know, Musicians Institute, Percussion Institute. And what's funny is I remember reading ads for um, classifieds for drummers, you know, for musicians wanted. And one of the common things I would see, it would say, drummer wanted, uh, all styles, preferable, no PIT, Percussion Institute of Technology. Really? Yeah, no PIT. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, and I knew some guys that had come out of PIT who were great drummers, but... uh. Not all of them, but some of them, you know. When you ask them to just sit in a pocket, right? They couldn't last more than you know eight or ten bars before they had to throw in. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta play something. They had to throw in something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And some of my some of my greatest teachers were just like, "Hey, man, you know, can you sit in a pocket?" You mm-hmm. know, and what they mean is like, can you just? can you sit there right can you sit there and not play a fill it's not it's not easy it's not easy you know and when i say not play a fill i mean like or whatever the fill is you know i don't mean like you know, not like without any inflections at all, you know, inflections to me are like a little bit different than like playing like an, an actual fill, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: like opening up the hi hat, you know, or like throwing a little inflection here and there. Uh, you know, that's just, you know, if you're still in the pocket, if you're still in a, in a groove, that's cool. But like, if you make a big statement, if you make a big move, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're, you know, without, can you, can you, can you sit in that pocket without making those statements? Right. You know, right. Cause to me, that is your statement. If you mm-hmm. can do that, that's a big, huge statement. Yeah. You there were,
0: It's I always, um, I always talk about August and everything after the counting crows record is, is my favorite record of all time. And I think people are kind of like, really, that's a, that's an odd record to pick. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I think that the way uh Steve Bowman plays on that record is is magical. It's wow. like un- understated. You know, there's there's one song where like he doesn't he doesn't play any cymbals at all. He does one fill and all he does is goes
2: bloom 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 bloom, bloom.
0: That's it in the whole you know and I'm like that's I, I think that's way harder. I mean I think that you and I see eye to eye like that's why we like
1: Steve Jordan and that's why Yeah, um, leave on him. I mean yeah, yeah. he's another He's another guy. Uh, you want to talk about the source? I mean, I, uh, for me personally, I think one of one of my greatest influences uh, has been Idris Muhammad. Yeah, and yep. Idris is, uh I I I I went to go see. It was probably ninety three ish. I went to go see this band called the Grey Boy All Stars. Yeah. And uh, in San Diego, they were playing at this place, the Green Circle Bar. And the drummer's name was Zach Nager. And when I walked in, I was immediately taken by the fact that they were playing a a tune that had some jazz changes in it, but the shit was funky. Right? Mm -hmm. They had a percussionist, a saxophone player. Carl Denson was playing saxophone, but they also had a a second guy playing sax and flute. Hand percussion. A uh, guy playing playing congas and tambourine, drummer, guitar, bass, and Robert mm-hmm. Walsh on keyboards. Robert and I ended up in a band together years after that. But um, I was so taken by this music, and the whole place was packed. I mean, I must my jaw must have been like down in my hmm. chest the whole time I was there because I didn't take my eyes off the band for probably two hours. And then and then they they, they, they they ended and then I walked up to the drummer and I introduced myself and um and he was a he was a sweetheart of a guy man we we, we hung out that whole night talking about music. We went back to my house, I made us pasta, we sat l- listening to uh, Idris Muhammad, and he turned me on to Alligator Boogaloo. hmm I love that tune. Yeah I love that tune. and that, that album man I like I was, I was like, who is this drummer? And because it, it says it's on the record, it says Leo Morris. Mm-hmm. I was like, Leo Morris. And he said, well, his name is Idris Muhammad. Cause he converted to Islam in the, in the sixties. And, uh, changed, they changed his name to Idris Muhammad. And I had no idea the impact that that, that that record that night, that, that music, that drummer was going to have on me. Right. Because I went out and got that record the next day and I started studying it. And, I realized there's only six tunes on that record, and the whole record is twenty-eight minutes long. But that entire record to me is is uh not just a study in Boogaloo, but it's the framework.
0: Are you talking about the Lou Donaldson record?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. the whole record. Okay. Alligator Boogaloo, Grant Green's on that record, and yeah. Lonnie Smith and, and uh Dude, oh, it's um, such a good record. I wanna say Blue Mitchell's playing trumpet, but now I'm forgetting who's playing trumpet on it. But um it's a phenomenal record and off six of those tunes are are classic grooves that if you learn that entire record that's enough to get you work for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah seriously there's like there's like hard swing shit on there there's like 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 there's some laid back boogaloo there's hard funk there's some ballads like listen to that record and tell me if 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 that is not uh, the framework for uh, you know like a million gigs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you, you ever know, see the so. Stanton
0: Moore thing where he breaks down the Idris Muhammad, Steve Gad, that right, right, left, right, right, left, right, left groove. Uh-uh. So he talks about um how Idris played it on uh, I forget what I forget what song. Um oh on Ain't It Funky Now, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Right. bump but da but up but
0: so and i so that's idris idris muhammad on that okay and and he has like this um is it is it ain't it funky now i think yeah, so. It, it, yeah it's, it's una- a yeah so and then he talks about how steve gad took that and used that in in his in his groove and all that kind of stuff so it's pretty cool how like he he ties it all together and and breaks it all down I, and i'm 99 sure it's aint funky now
1: cool i'll have to i have to check that out it's i used to play that with uh with uh melvin sparks uh, yeah Mel, melvin was a was a was a lou Donaldson alumni yeah and we had, and melvin introduced me to Idris. got you um, melvin was,
0: was a sweetheart man we played with him uh we did a bunch of shows with him um in like
1: 2008 Oh uh, cool man
0: yeah, Sean Hill really? was playing drums with them.
1: Oh. I played with him in 2003, very briefly, just nice. a few just a few months. Yeah, he was a monster. I actually lived at his house. Really. In, in Mount Vernon. Yeah. And I, when I left, I le- he called me one day and uh, we had done a bunch of shows together and he called me one day and he he called me Slupman. Like, <laughs> S-L-U-P-M-O-N, and he hits my phone would ring, and I would answer, and he a Slupman, it's Melvin. <laughs> and it's like, I knew who it was. He didn't have to tell me who it was, but he always did, Slupman, it's Melvin. Nice. He'd go, and it was always something wacky. He would say, I got a gig. It's in Burlington. I'm going to need you to drive. <laughs> Where it Was <laughs> <is> it at Nectar's? <laughs> neckers in burlington yeah and we and and i would have to drive <laughs> yeah. i would have to drive to these gigs and i had just driven to his house from san diego and i had a toyota pickup truck you know <laughs> and he'd get he'd get in the driver's seat and i didn't have a i didn't have a stereo because my i was i'm from you know i, I was a, it was a car that i got in southern california you know and everybody's everybody's car in california gets you know broken into into at some point you know so i didn't have i didn't have radio i had a boom box had a sony boom box
0: i like your moves and i had
1: (laughs) yeah and 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 i had all these cds in my car you know so uh i was like melvin you you want to listen to some music show man whatever you want to play man (laughs) and so i put on um he we used to always talk about eric dolphy I'm a huge Dolphy fan, and I was like, I was like, oh, I'm putting this Eric Dolphy record. So I put on Eric Dolphy out to lunch, mm-hmm. right with Tony Williams. Yeah, and uh, oh man, turn that shit off, man! I don't want to listen to that bullshit, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I thought you loved Eric Dolphy. Like, I do love Eric Dolphy. I just want to listen to that right now while we're driving up to Burlington, man. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, hmm. well, wait, I got this Charles Erlin record. That 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 Idris plays drums on, that that Melvin plays guitar on, you know, right. it's it called Black Talk. This great blue note record, Charles Erlin, Black Talk. Great record. And put that record, oh man, turn that record off, man. I don't want to hear that bullshit, man. <laughs> I hate the way I play. It. And I was like, man, you sound great on this record. Are you kidding me? You're killing it. Oh man, I don't play like that anymore. I don't want to hear that shit. I was like, golly, man. What is this guy? Get? what are we going to listen to? And I like thumbing through my CDs and I see um, Col- Coltrane. I uh, had a uh, blue train mm. and I put blue train on, you know, and it's like, <laughs> boom, 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 Oh no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh man, Curtis Fuller, the trombone player. He's like, I love Curtis Fuller. So I found, I found the sweet spot.
0: So George, like we could sit here and we could sit here and talk all day, man. I feel oh, like man, I, wish I, had I feel like better. I'm just getting started.
1: I know I um, had a couple of more, a couple of more hours.
0: So if we, if you ever want to do a part two, let me know because I know that I, I got to run. And you got to run, man. But I, like, absolutely, I can go down this. I can go down this rabbit hole and like I love hearing these stories and and everything. So
1: well, man. You know, maybe I can help you out. Look for anybody that's out there looking, uh, listen, listening to us right now. Uh, you know, we talked about. The, we talked about work first of all and like during this pandemic like everybody's kind of freaking out what are we going to do some people are recording from home i'm recording from home i'm teaching i'm doing local studio work but i just took a day gig and it's actually a sweet gig because I, I i work i work 3 3 30 to midnight and actually i get off at 11 30 i'm supposed to work till midnight but i'm actually out of there by 11 30 i'm home by midnight you mm-hmm. know I, I get to sleep in you know, and I'm working in a factory that makes vinyl records, so it's not it's not so bad. You know, there's some peace of mind that comes with you know a steady income stream, right? You know, and if your income stream has been disturbed, uh, more than likely, you know, during this during this time, then I would encourage people to just you know take a deep breath and just jump dive back into the workforce, you know, that's, that's outside of music. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know, I was, I was totally against it at first, but now that I'm doing it, uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's cool. I know it's not going to be forever. Um, I think the other thing we talked about is going to the source, Mm -hmm. you know, um, find the, find the people that, that you, if they're still alive, find the people that you really, love their groove and just, and just go straight to them. You know, it's mm-hmm. always worked for me yeah. Man, when I, I lived in LA and I knew Howard Grimes was around. So, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, James Gatson. I went to go see mm-hmm. him play, shook his hand after the gig, told him I wanted to study with him. He gave me his number, you know, nice. next thing I know I'm at Gatson's house taking drum lessons, you know, That's and he's amazing. telling me, he's telling me the same stuff that Howard Grimes is telling me. You know that Bernard Purdy told me. He said, "Look, man, two and four put my kids through college." Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Keltner, Keltner said the same thing. He's just like, man, just you don't have to do anything. Learn yeah. how to play songs, and then that's it, man. Learning yeah. how to play songs is is enough of a, a is, is enough study as there is, man. Because there's millions of types of songs. Yeah. You know? Just learning song structure you know mm-hmm. is the i'd same say
0: situation. i'd say that it's uh it's simple but not easy right you got to you got to put the you got to put the time in you got to put the work in
1: complex you put time in the work that's yeah,
0: right for sure my man thank you so much where's the best place for people to follow along with you and what you got going on
1: uh instagram i'm not on facebook anymore um, but um, i have a i have a website uh, it's sluppick, dot com. I don't update it as much as I should because there really hasn't been a whole lot going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, have a, uh, I have a podcast. There's four episodes, and at some point we're going to get back to it uh, with my friend Chad Anderson and nice. my good friend um, Robert Barnett. It's called The Set Break. Uh, I have a Patreon page that I just started a few weeks ago and it's doing really well. I'm really excited. I've got people signing up for it and um, uh, I'm doing a lot of fun, fun things on there. Uh, and, and uh, uh, I, had, I have a Gumroad, I have a couple of shuffle lessons on gum road. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. um, you, did, and you can find them on the, from your website. You can find those from, uh, from my website. Yeah. But if you also, if you, uh, if you go to, uh, well, actually they're not on Instagram right now i think in my bio page i got a link to my patreon page
0: i'll uh i'll grab all the links and make sure they're in the show notes okay so great people can just go uh, there and boom, 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 I have, boom i
1: have a uh i do have uh uh i do have a trio here in memphis we have our third record is getting ready to come out in march uh, the band's called the city champs and nice. uh, our, our our we have this hasn't even been announced yet um but uh, yeah, we got a release date in March. Um, band is called The City Champs. Record's called Luna '68. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, Morgan James's new record came out in February, and uh, that was what we were supposed to be touring on this this whole year. It's called Memphis uh, Magnetic. Uh, I've been sucks, working man. a bunch with uh, Bruce Bruce Watson. He's an amazing producer, engineer here. Uh, he has two labels. Um, one is called Big Legal Mess, and we've put out a bunch of records on Big Legal Mess that I'm on. Uh, and then a new gospel label is called Bible and Tire, so I've been playing all these gospel records la- lately. That it nice, that it just phenomenal, fun, fun, to, fun to play. I like it. Good deal, man.
0: Well, yeah, I'm gonna man. like I said, I'm gonna thank you for uh, having up me everything. on. Of course. of course, thank you to Wolf for for connecting us and uh, Stephen Wolf. Stephen Wolf. Woof, well, oh well, man! <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, man. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, and it's been thank it's you, been Nick. an honor and a pleasure to.
1: Likewise, man. We will take care of. You.
0: There you have it, the one, the only Mr. George Slupik. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 593. There's also a bunch of links in there. From George that we talk about So you can you can find all of that stuff there Head over to drummersresource.com Forward slash session 593 If you listen to the podcast, if you dig it Do me a favor, leave a rating, leave a review You can do that on iTunes, it takes about a minute And it lets people know that they should be Listening to this podcast And other than that, that's all I got So until the next podcast, keep drumming Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon Peace Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out RevoiceMedia.com.